Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, so let me ask you, what's your idea? I'm just going out on a limb here. Maybe in the past uh, week or so, you've been inspired with some new ideas about what you might be doing in the future. What are those ideas? You might want to get a piece of paper and write it down. You don't have to do it now. You can come back and listen to this. But whatever your idea is, uh, maybe it's to start a a Reiki studio or a, a meditation school or a yoga like uh, scalar is a new metric, kind of like how electricity came on the scene and it kind of changed everything. I think scalar is going to do that same thing. So maybe uh, scalar Reiki or scalar yoga, or maybe I'm being um, blasphemous to these topics by um, doing this, but what is your idea? Um, Just earmark that in your mind because we're going to just supersize it. I'm so excited tonight. This is the second episode of the new Human Living Radio Show this year. It's the second episode, but it's our first guest tonight. The topic tonight is the spiritual entrepreneur, and our guest tonight is the is Steve Noble. I'm delighted to have him back on the show. Now, it's our second radio show this year, and it's also a second event for Steve because Steve is the winner of the second annual New Human Living Humanitarian Award. That's right. Steve won that award for 2021. And I'm so delighted to have him on the show as our guest tonight. We're going to delve into this. Again, the topic is the spiritual entrepreneur, and our guest tonight is Steve Noble. The spiritual entrepreneur is the name of his latest book, The Spiritual Entrepreneur, Discover Your Natural Authentic Flow, Align with Your True Path, of abundance and service. So we're going to jump into that conversation with Steve in just a minute, but let's go to this, let's go back to this idea of yours. You're listening into a show topic of the spiritual entrepreneur. We're not going to let that just slide by. What's that idea? What's that? Just, just ask yourself in the last week when you've talked to your friends, that you share your life with, have you said, I'm getting the feeling of starting out in blank, whatever it is, a scalar motorcycle club, or maybe it's a new dynamic for medicine or academics or a new financial strategy, because the old caterpillar structure of our society, all that's going to crumble and we need a new dynamic. And spiritual entrepreneurs like you will be the ones that fulfill that. So 
I want to make sure I, I keep with my promise about supersizing your idea. So, of course, I I can't look into everybody's mind, listen to the show now and later, but I'm going to just dream up a scenario and we're going to go with it and, and that'll be that. So let's say scalar yoga, right? So your inspiration has been, oh my God, there's this scalar dynamic in, in the quantum arena where scalar energy can can have a powerful impact. And I've learned how to embody that through the practice of yoga. Okay, so maybe you're thinking about there's that storefront over by the shopping center that's vacant for lease. I could open that up and I could have students in and I could teach them scalar yoga. Woohoo, yes, bingo. Well, let's just supersize that. I have to use some example. We're going to use this one. How could we supersize that? Well, now, the the value is your experience with yoga as it relates to scalar consciousness. So you can hone, you can crystallize, You can become clear as a bell in your languaging about what you're actually teaching. And poof, right there, however you would describe that in a document or verbally or whatever, has intellectual property to it. So let's take that intellectual property that you want to teach in the store over by the shopping center in that vacant building and we'll we'll clarify the intellectual property of it and we'll rebrand it. So now now you don't have to call it scalar yoga. Say you want to sell it to cruise ships in a way that they could offer it to their guests. You could call it um power vibrance or I mean the the marketing you put behind it you could take that intellectual property and brand it for cruise ships to teach it. Well, you want to make sure those teachers are certified. So maybe the people in that building over by the shopping center that you teach are the certified instructors that can go out in the world and teach your Kool-Aid, your intellectual property. Well, we talked about cruise ships. What about retirement homes? What about... Um, after school activities. What about um, um, like the gym? The gym could offer it as a class on the side. So we're taking your intellectual property and we're blowing it up into a bunch of different markets. We're supersizing your idea. You can come back and listen to this all you want. Whatever idea you're working on, you're here to kick some butt, some serious ass. Spiritually flog the hell out of everyone. <laughs> that was a joke. Sometimes we have humor here. So um, I think we should get to it. Um, I just wanted to supersize who you are because your soul is very powerful. Your life purpose is very powerful. And if you can get your 
the rest of your constitution to show up in a powerful way, then wow, two thumbs up. Let's do it. For the record, this was recorded in advance because it's like the middle of the flipping night in London right now. But um, I want to introduce Steve so you know who you're listening to. Again, I'm delighted to have him back on the show. Tonight, the topic is a spiritual entrepreneur, discover your natural authentic flow, align with your true path of abundance and service, knock it out of the park. This is Steve's latest book. Steve Noble, the winner of the 2021 Second Annual New Human Living Humanitarian Award, is the author of six nonfiction books, including a free ebook, Star Seeds. Steve was a director of a not for profit spiritual organization called Alternatives, based in St. James Church, Piccadilly, London, for 13 years. He left uh, during the winter solstice of 2012. Subsequently, he began his own healing and awakening work. Steve has created a healing system called Soul Matrix Healing for Star Seeds. Perfect. He has created a library of free resources, including meditations and transmission to help star seeds, which are freely available on his website and YouTube channel. His website is thesoulmatrix.com. Join me in welcoming Steve to the show. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks, Liz. Thank you for having me. You know, I love the topic uh, you suggested, spiritual entrepreneur. And and nobody has to be reminded about the karmic tsunami humanity has gone through in the last couple of years. But it's... uh, a lot of people have used kind of like the phoenix metaphor where where we've gone through the fire so to speak and now it's time for us to rise from the ashes to to be reborn or whatever and mm-hmm. and my hunch is that um our souls had an intention for us to have a new life dynamic at this point in the game we've kind of gone through the I know change is still happening quite prominently every day, but it's kind of a new chapter for humanity. Yeah. So when oh, I think so. Yeah. So when you look at the topic of spiritual entrepreneur, um, what made you come up with that um, as a topic for your book? Well, <clears throat> I suppose I've been a spiritual entrepreneur for a little while. Um, I was a director of a spiritual organization in London called Alternatives. And that was my introduction to uh, entrepreneurial thinking and um, having an entrepreneurial focus. And I I left there in 2012 and then I was on my own path. And I, I was getting lots of guidance, you know, from spirit about what to do, what to avoid. And one of the things I did come to was it's time to start your own business, which I started properly in 2016. And um, for me, it's been a great way, and I, and I think it's also a great way for many who have called to it, 
to really free ourselves from all the constraints of the economic system. You know, we're still working within that system, of course, but there's a lot more freedom. Um, I'm finding that as an entrepreneur, I'm doing by and large what I love to do. You know, my focus isn't really about just show me the money. It's more, what do I love to do? And that's hopefully somehow there'll be enough money and fuel coming in to keep the journey going. And so I, I'd say I started this journey in my late 50s uh, for my own business, you know, primarily my own business. And uh, it's been one of great liberation for me. And considering the, you know, the, um, what would you say, what you're saying about the karmic tsunami, I think I got there just in time because back in 2016, I got, the, well, actually even before an alternative, I got the strong guidance, start putting everything online. And when I was at alternatives, we put the whole library of talks online for free. Um, I was doing tele-seminars back in, the, you know, 2006, I think it was, before people were really doing it. And uh, now, where I'm at now, when the tsunami hit, you know, this kind of economic, karmic tsunami, I was in an ideal position because my business, business increased by probably at least 20%, I think, at least. And sometimes in some places even more it spiked up. So I was kind of guided to be in the right place at the right time. So for many, it's the right time to either be a, an entrepreneur or consider stepping into that role. You know, the world is changing. The world of work is changing. The old safe, secure jobs are going. And, you know, I think 30 years ago, I couldn't have dreamed particularly I could be doing work like this, doing stuff that I'm really interested in, which is personal development, spirituality, and all the other bits and pieces like mythology and magic and all the things I'm really interested in. I can kind of weave them together in a business and the world will go, oh, that's new and interesting, creative, let's have that. And so that's the position I'm in now. And I think there's a lot of people who are feeling the calling to escape the 3D corporate world or that world of, you know, I'm making widgets or I'm shuffling paper just to pay the bills. Because uh, if you're working in a company and you go to the boss saying, you know, I've got a great idea, I want to do what I want to love, the boss may say, sorry, you're here to do what I tell you to do rather than do what you want to do. But as an entrepreneur, you can do more or less whatever you want to do. As long as it's in line with your soul destiny, your passion, your skills, your gifts, the world will probably embrace it. You know? Nice. That's my feeling anyway. Yeah. Well, sure. Well, for me, it seems like um, people are going to have an, like a new narrative or a new dynamic in their life. For example, um, I'm just making this up. Uh, yeah. I've worked in the banking industry 20 years, or I've worked yeah. in education, or I've worked in whatever, but now my soul's showing me this brand new idea of banking, my brand new idea of education. Because if, if we look at 2019 and before, although the system seemed normal, there was so much vulnerability to it. We had one currency, one internet, one, I mean, uh, like here in the States in 2008, we had a, a financial crisis. It, anytime you have one, a monolithic anything, it's a karmic train wreck because if you look at the value of the dollar and you you base your income on that and where you go to school on that and where you take vacations on that and what kind of a house you live in. And then mm -hmm. the dollar tanks, 
everything in your life tips over. I mean, the whole flipping country tips over because we have this monolithic mindset. And and to me, it uh, the sense I get is what would serve us much better is a honeycomb kind of scenario where there's not a single point of failure or not a single element that's dragging us all through the weeds. If it's mm. It seems like people are going to be inspired to bring completely new visions of how these uh, old school systems could, can get reformed to be more serving of our human dynamic. In your own journey, have you have you noticed the vision of your soul more for transform over these last several years? Uh, yeah, well, <clears throat> I um, I worked in banking for 10 years and then I worked in local government for 10 years. And definitely, um, well, I, I had to get out of banking. I had a bit of a crisis, personal crisis, so it's time to leave. And that introduced me to psychotherapy. And then when I did my next 10 years, at the end of that, I was interested in into spirituality and I started to ask the universe questions and ask for help and I asked, should I resign? And I got the answer. I got the answer as a sign on a T-shirt. Just do it, you know, Nike. So I did it. And so I was feeling this guidance, this guiding hand, this um, infinite intelligence of the universe guiding me, which is wonderful because before that it was just like me and my ego, you know, alone kind of thing, or people around me. And then I found myself at the right place at the right time at Alternatives, and I was guided to be there and devote my life there nearly 20 years and. And then basically the soul said, time to leave. This was uh, 2010. And I, I, this was the first time I said, no, I, 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 I'm happy here. I've, you know, I've had this long journey. Why should I leave? And um, I just dug my feet in. Of course, that meant my life kind of exploded in a dark night. The soul followed. Well, the soul said, okay, fine. You can have it your way, but it's not going to be easy. <laughs> and so I had a six years. Six years was a long time in a dark night. Dark nights of the soul are existential crisis which is a real existential crisis my inner, internal all points of references started to unwind and at the end of that um, I came out of that uh, then it was okay now you can start this which is what I'm doing now which is the soul matrix uh, and at the beginning it was the, the, the voice said to me after six years of nothing you know no guidance no nothing the voice said okay now it's time to do Starfleet and Ascension and I wasn't really, it wasn't the best thing I was greeted with after six years. I was like, that, do I want to do that? That sounds like a big ask, you know. What do I know about that? I knew something about it, but I didn't think I could teach anything about it. So eventually I, I couldn't resist the soul anymore. So I said, all right, then I'll do it. And then I was getting lots of guidance, um, do this, do that, start one-to-one -one sessions, put stuff up on YouTube. Actually, it came through a friend who... It was almost like spirit speaking through him. And as soon as he said it, I said, right, I'll do it. And I started learning about YouTube and doing videos. And in the early days, it was a bit amateurish, but I kind of got a bit more professional now doing it. And then, you know, put everything online was a message I got an alternative. So I was constantly being guided. And uh, then I had a voice saying, look at cryptos. That was uh, around 2015, I think it was. And I started looking at cryptos, which... Um, Basically guided by spirit, I, I, I seemed to do very well. And I, I had some friends who were 
pretty um, knowledgeable about cryptos and they were doing badly. So they were kind of wondering, well, how do you, who don't know anything about it, <laughs> doing better than us are researching it day and night? And I, I, I couldn't really answer that to them, really. I didn't say anything about that. <laughs> but I, I did all right with that. And um, so I've learned to trust it. And it's, it, we're, in, we're in a new narrative now, aren't we? We're in a very strange world where, you know, personally, I do think journalism is a bit dead at the moment. I'm quite surprised that we're living in a democracy and there are no journalists. There are just kind of people... Uh, promoting this one narrative that's just being pumped out. And, but I think the world needs to go through this, uh, what did you say, the phoenix into the fire to be reborn. And for, for the world to change, I always kind of wondered, well, it's going to take a lot for this world to change towards where a lot of us were thinking it's going to go, like this new age of light, this, this Aquarian age, this age of the sixth sun, you know, uh, in the Toltec tradition. And this is one of the things which is really is, you know, I know it's, it's not been unleashed with the best of intentions, but it's actually going to really help reset, I think, in a positive way. I know the intention is not positive by those unleashing all of this, but I do believe ultimately anything what I consider anti-life forces are doing is going to actually promote awakening. This is what my feeling on it. And so, um, yeah, we're in a strange new world, strange new narrative. I do think it's darker before the dawn. So we're in this very weird, dark transitional space where the light is ascending and the darkness is coming out of the shadows. They're not hiding anymore. You can see all the manipulation in the media and in the governments, and we can get a feeling of who's pulling, pulling the strings as well. So, I mean, I don't know if uh, you did say that your audience are pretty up for anything. So that's just my view on it. But it's been um, orchestrated, is, is the word. This whole drama has been orchestrated. And... At some level, as souls, we all kind of knew about it. And we go, well, all right, we'll sign up for this, this mission and we'll, we'll go through it. But now we're in it. It doesn't say, seem like such a good idea. You know, it feels like uh, it's a bit like a kind of fair shit show, really. But it's, it's actually all right. At a soul level, it's all right. At a personality level, I don't like a lot of the stuff that's going on. But I go, well, actually, for the greater good, the planet is, has to go through this and more to utterly transform. Because we can't continue living how we've been living really less, I don't think. Well said. I like that. I, I myself, I've worked in television, in television news for 35 years. Right. And easily, easily the cart tipped over. The, the mechanics of the journalism, quote, you know, quote journalism, unquote, broke about 20, 25 years ago. Hmm. And what I really noticed watching, because working in TV, you, you have news feeds every day from all over the world, is that the narrative didn't change. It was repetitive cycles of everything. There was just no um, growth or maturity happening to the collective. And uh, I, I think journalism... Uh, just from my perspective, needs a comeback. And, and it needs to be the old school journalism where it's like, present me with both sides of the story and let me decide. But yes. I, um, with the theme of the spiritual entrepreneur, you mentioned the six years that, um, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, you kind of disconnected or, or you didn't have that guidance or you chose not to follow it. And yeah. um, for many of us, 
uh, I think your book is so very timely about um, people engage in an entrepreneurial intention in their life. Share with us how that connection with guidance from your soul, the the ebb and flow of that, and and perhaps some tips to help people um, learn how to trust that guidance and learn how to understand that the the timeline that your soul has it, it seems like our souls can see years if not decades down the road and they can help us navigate um, share with us your relationship with that inspiration from your soul and maybe some tips on how to strengthen that yeah well i think uh, not everyone is called to be an entrepreneur on the entrepreneurial path and uh, some people are called to, to go along the lines of regular work for a while, and then eventually a call. So there is a calling to do it, which is almost like a fire. It's time. I, I'm a bit scared, but I'm going to do it. Uh, and, and everyone who comes to that point, whether, you know, people can come to the entrepreneurial path through, I'll go part-time in my regular work, and I'll just start something inside, or I'm going to take a leap of faith. But there's always this chasm that we come to. We have to make a choice. Am, am I ready to do this? completely 100% but whether you're whether you're in regular work you know we've both been in regular work we can still be guided by spirit we can still be guided to learn skills to maybe move jobs sideways you know maybe sometimes even down step because as you mentioned there's this guidance from the future our soul and higher self has a kind of finger on the pulse of our timeline and can see 5 10 15 20 years down the future and would say, you know, don't jump ship now. Don't resign now. Now do it. You know, and that was why I was feeling there's a timing and the soul knows the exact timing. When I left the kind of regular work, uh, it was the exact right time, which I didn't realize. Uh, I was contemplating resigning for a couple of years. It's the right time for me to get into alternatives, a spiritual organization. And it was the right time for me to, to, to step into a directorship. It's a bit like, you know, if the sun, if the earth was any closer to the sun, we'd probably be burnt to a cinder. If it was any further away, we'd be uh, an ice cube. But, you know, there's an exact moment, a window, and the soul knows that window. Do it now. And so timing is important. Um, once we're on the entrepreneurial path, I do feel well, one of the sections in the book I've written is about uh, intuition and guidance and also signs and synchronicities, which is a form of guidance really that uh, the, the higher self, our soul, will speak to us in meditation, in the dreams, uh, in the silent whispers while we're, we're kind of walking or running or jogging or cycling or in the shower. It can also come through external messages. A book, literally, um, actually a friend of mine is a neighbor. She has her own coaching business. I said, well, how did you, how did you, no, it's her, um, that's right, her grandmother studied with Jung. And uh, so how did she get into it? Well, a book literally fell off a bookshelf, hit her on the head. And that, you know, and she got the book. And, oh, my God. And that inspired her to do the, the pop. And that can happen. Literally, books can fall off bookshelves and hit you on the head or conversation can be a, a next step. But when I was in the, the, corp- the kind of corporate world, I went and saw a film. Uh, when was it? In the 90s, I think, early 90s, called Dances with Wolves. You must remember that famous yeah. film. And... I was crying my eyes out, you know, as silently as possible because friends were with me and I didn't want to seem to be crying. <laughs> but I looked at it, I didn't know why I was crying, but that film pointed to something magical, something shamanic that was 
going to happen to me later. And it's almost like the future coming and saying, hey, Steve, this is what you're going to be tapping into in a few years' time. And I had no idea at conscious level, but I cried. And so there was this great emotional magnetic pull to whatever the message was in the story, you know, um, the guy going on the adventure, I forget what the lieutenant, you know, whatever his name was, um, yep. uh, going on this adventure and meeting these tribal cultures, its magical cultures, and, and, and kind of escaping from the regular world. So that really touched me. Um, so I think the soul is always speaking, and we, we can be open to it in many, many ways. I think the soul can speak to us through books, through films, through a conversation, through a meditation, through our dreams. And I'm always open to and asking you know, what do you think about this? You know, what's the right choice here? And sometimes I get a clear answer and sometimes the answer will be just wait, you know. Or uh, when I started my business, Spirit said, someone said to me after six months in, start one-to-one sessions. And I said, well, doing what? And they said, you're going to work it out, which is not, I didn't think that was a great answer really. Sometimes (laughs) they kind of know, well, you know already. And, you know, I, I kind of don't like those guidance. You already know. It's like, yeah, but can you just give me some clues? <laughs> no, you already know. And uh, I, I like more specific things, to be honest. And sometimes I have more specific things, which is really great. You know? um, start workshops, start retreats. So I had a guy that start webinars. And I was like, okay, all right. I was doing um, once a month, I was doing a, a live event in London. And then I had this guy start doing webinars. And then I found the webinars were attracting more people because the webinar was a whole global audience and the London event was just for London people. And I was like, and very, very quickly, the webinar started taking off and I'm like, oh, wow. But I still do. I love going to Glastonbury. I go to Glastonbury twice a year. There's one in April, May, which is already booked out, another one in October. So that's my little retreat. And, you know, I, I, if travel opens again, I'd love to come back to America and Ireland and places where there's sacred sites. Because I do love the live events. I love hugging people seeing people and speaking to people, not just online. So I'm, I'm listening and being guided. And, you know, I think the key thing is to be receptive. It's to clear out all of the static. We watch probably far too much TV and listen to far too many opinions and judgments. If we can clear out the static of the world and become more of a still place, we can actually listen to that still voice, which is not the voice of the ego, which is basically fear and overcautious, sometimes, sometimes very impulsive. So once we can learn the difference, and a girlfriend said to me back in the early 90s, when I said, I don't think we should really, I think we should be friends. I don't think we should be romantically involved. And she said to me, well, how do you know if that's, that's not your fear speaking? You know, and I, I didn't know the answer. So, so I said, oh, wow, I don't know. So I went away for two weeks and meditated. And then I came back and said, no, I do know the difference. And it, we should be friends. And we're still friends, actually. So. Um, that's a big one for people when the ego tries to mimic the voice of spirit, which can happen. Actually, well, it seems like the ego really wants like that paved road with lights on both sides, and it's straight, and it can see the destination, and it knows every step how to get there. And yet, our soul doesn't seem to operate that way. Um, yeah. Sometimes we can we can butter it up by by jumping too quickly like perhaps somebody will will get a a vision or a hit inspiration that they're going to write screenplays for broadway Mm. and and they want to sell the house and move to broadway the next day it's like wait a minute have you written anything ever in your life well (laughs) well no 
Well, maybe you ought to stay with the job you have now until some more develops. Like, uh, I like the notion that sometimes our soul will will dangle a carrot in front of us. You get up, it's Saturday, and you read the paper, and it says there's a a fair or a carnival, you know, an an hour or two away, and you think, okay, let's go to the carnival. And you think that's what it's about, and you you drive you drive away, and through a, a collage of unexpected circumstances, you end up in a completely different uh, event with a completely different like motive or agenda. I have found that spirit kind of works that way. It's like they tell you what you'll take action on, even though it might not directly relate to what they want to happen, but it's to get you to take a step or to move forward. The the idea that the soul is, by its very nature, the soul is a nonlinear aspect of ourself, and of course our mind, our ego, is a totally linear aspect. um, method of understanding there's yeah. there's a little bit of a um, what would the word be like like magic or um, uh, um, just where the path isn't what you ever would have chose yourself but in hindsight it turned out to be perfect how do you how do you learn to <laughs> receive information even though it doesn't make any sense well i think the ego likes to progress as you mentioned logically like a step staircase you right know, there's the one step yeah and if i just take each step at a time logically i'm building you know in five years i'll be at a certain place and you know the, the ego would have us what marry get that job marry have a children get a pension and yeah. die comfortably you know i mean the ego has its plan that this is the way uh, was it Revolutionary Road? Do you remember that film? Uh, Leo DiCaprio? No. Um, basically, it was a story of the wife wanted to move to Paris. Let's throw all this in. Let's move to Paris. Let's follow our dreams. And um, and the Leo DiCaprio, the, the, the part played by him, he was in the corporate world. And he said, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And then just before resigning, the boss said, we're going to promote you. And he had that choice. Do I follow my wife's dream and my dream, or do I go with a promotion? And in the film, he went with a promotion. And it showed the consequences of this dead life afterwards. You know, he didn't follow up. The soul's journey is a bit more like a labyrinth. We enter the labyrinth, and the only guide we have is our intuition, and there are kind of strange animals that come up to us and go this way, you know. And we, we do get we we do meet people in the labyrinth who say I can show you this portion of the labyrinth I can take you this far and then no further somebody else will take you further than that so the logical mind goes crazy in the labyrinth because the logical mind goes why are we here why did you resign from that job why did you divorce from that beautiful wife what are you doing why did you sell your house and move to Costa Rica or where wherever it is but in the labyrinth you may do those things because the labyrinth doesn't have a certainty. You can't see it. You can't see the end result, but you have to trust it. And I've trusted the guidance. I've trusted the labyrinth. And in that labyrinth, I've had this adventure. I mean, I'm still in the labyrinth, but the labyrinth's kind of smoothed out a little bit. I'm not in the kind of 
the raw face of the labyrinth. It's kind of smoothed down to a nice landscape, and I'm still on a kind of winding journey. And I'm not quite sure, really, where it will lead, but I'm following and I'm trusting it. There's um, synchronicity in the labyrinth. There's uncertainty, for sure. There's trust. There's courage that has to be built in the labyrinth. Certainly a relationship with your own soul and your own intuition. Um, there's resources that come in the labyrinth that you would not get on the staircase. You know, you're not, you're not yet following... Well, if I get the MBA, if I go and work in that company for five years, if I do that, you know, in 30 years' time, I'll be the CEO. That doesn't have the same uncertainty. It doesn't have the same magic to it. And, you know, a lot of people are finding, well, I followed the logical route. And actually, you know, that ladder that I, that I followed and climbed was parked against the wrong wall. You know, that metaphor, they say, you know, make sure your ladder's actually parked up the wall you really want to climb, rather than one that maybe your parents want you to climb or your wife wants you to climb. And maybe when you follow your soul's intuition, you know, maybe people around you will not understand. Maybe they'll be against it. You know, my, my family were like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, um, and friends who have done the same thing. You know, I had a friend who worked for CNN and he resigned. He said, oh, my, my soul is being an artist. Of course, that was not going to go down well with his family. And he still was an artist the day he died. And he, he told me before he died, I was there when he passed over, um, he said, this is the last time I'll see you. We're going to hug. And he said that art saved his life because he would have probably died early if he hadn't have followed that portion of him. So we follow this magical part of ourselves and it leads, leads us somewhere. If, when I was working in the bank, if someone had said to me, look, you know, in 30 or, well, 35 years time, you're going to be writing a number of books you'll be doing coaching. Well, I mean, I'd say, well, what's coaching? You know, it's a kind of life thing, you know, they've probably said. You'll be running events like workshops. So I'd have known what that is, or, or going to conferences. You'll be doing YouTube. And I'll say, well, what's YouTube? And they'll say, oh, well, don't worry about that. You know, the internet will come along and you'll understand it. I'll say, what's the internet? Don't worry, you'll know when it comes. And you'll be doing radio and internet interviews. Well, I know the radio, but I don't understand the internet. So, you know, of course, at a soul level, it knows about the internet. It knows about developments that's going to even happen, which is going to boggle our minds 20 years from now. And if we're in tune, you know, a lot of scientists um, dream their inventions in the dream state. You know, lots of them have come up with the stuff. But I know Edison used to be driven mad by Tesla because Tesla would just dream this stuff up. And Edison would say, it's not scientific. You should go in the laboratory and do it a thousand times. Edison says, I know in my head. I've worked it through my head. I've done it all in my head. And he just, it was the two opposites, you know, Edison and uh, Tesla. Right. And Edison is the thousand experiments and eventually you'll discover the light bulb. But Tesla is going to the labyrinth and dream it into being. And, you know, one will not understand the other. My kids do not understand one. But now they see I'm abundant and I can actually be very generous and uh, take them on adventures. And my daughter loves going to these big department stores and having tea in elegant 1920 kind of salons. And, and my son loves, uh, we, we go see a lot of films and sci-fi stuff and, and he loves sci-fi gadgets. So, you know, uh, he, he, I've got him a few things and him and his wife and he's like, Oh dad, you're so generous. And my grandchildren, I can be generous to them. And they go, well, we don't know Brandon, what you're up to, but it seems to be working. You know, some, you know, they, my grandkids have said, Oh, you've got 140,000 followers on YouTube, Lydia. That's, that's, they go, that's cool, man. That's cool. But they don't know what I'm doing. But they go, that's cool. You're doing something interesting. Whereas I think if I had just stayed in the bank or local government, and kind of, now I'm heading for retirement, I wonder what kind of person would I be after 
being 40 odd years doing something I didn't like very much, you know, what would I offer the world? What would I offer my family or my grandchildren? Probably my resentment, my bitterness, my emptiness, rather than my, hey, this is amazing. This is, I, I took my grandkids out for a walk. I used to take them out regularly. And I remember teaching them to speak to trees. And they, Eva, who was, she was five or six at the time, she looked at me and said, Grandad, is this for real? Which I thought was brilliant. She asked me that. You know, she's actually questioning me that I'm speaking to trees. I don't think anybody else had done it before. And I said, of course, what do they teach you in school? She said, well, not that. And, uh, and so they, they, they still look at me as kind of quirky with granddad, but they see something's working, which is good as well. I'm not just kind of weird hippie just doing hippie stuff. I'm actually doing something in the world and uh, producing stuff and they making a difference for people. And, they, and I think they, they kind of get that. My kids get that, even though they don't understand what it is I'm actually doing. You know, it it makes me think of uh, kind of the white picket fence. I mean, that mindset. You touched on it a little earlier. Um, you know, get an education, get a job, click off the decades, create a pension, pull over, retire, die. I mean, in in 2019, um, that was so anchored in our minds but now here in 2022 th that mindset is like well that's not going to work i think more uh more of joe public more of the cross-section of humanity can look at that white picket fence mindset and say no that's in the rearview mirror <laughs> We're, yeah we don't have that kind of linear crap going on anywhere um so it you mentioned talking to your grandkids. The, how do we how do we bring that mindset to ourselves as an adult, and maybe even in our family dynamic to make to make our our kids more um, open to their own inspiration, open to the the how much more dynamic life has always been intended to be lived. I mean if we put so much structure and rigidness in this white picket fence mindset, we're, we're literally tying our hands from being a versatile persona if and when change actually comes across our path. Yeah. Well, I think there was a study somewhere, one university in America did a study, I think it was a five-year study, that what actually motivates kids to do stuff or demotivates kids to do stuff. And it basically came down to it doesn't matter what you tell your kids. It, what really, really matters is your example. So they found if someone dropped out of school and then says to their kids, do your homework, there's a disconnect because they can at some level they know, well, you didn't do it. Right. Why are you telling us to do it? Whereas if you, your parents went to university and did that, then they may not say you've got to go to university, but by their very example, they kind of open the door if you want to go down there. You know, you may want to go down, they may not want to. So um, we, in terms of legacy and bloodline and family, uh, if we just do the, the nine to five normal thing and then our kids come and look at, well, what's my options now? When I look at my parents and my grandparents and they did the nine to five thing, there seems to be a limited number of options. But if you've got uh, someone in the family, and I know someone who's you've got a mother who worked for the BBC, uh, a father who was a scriptwriter and also a journalist. Um, and 
lots of relatives in, in you know the industry of entertainment and journalism writing. And, I, and, and she told me, oh, I'm often at parties where, you know, I sat opposite um, the Rolling Stones and Queen and, you know, the bands of Queen and Roxy Music and all this. And, you know, they're just normal people complaining about, you know, this and that. And you, you'd think they'd be talking about highfalutin things, but they're just just uh, kind of complaining about, you know, uh, no time. And, and she's lived the life because basically her family opened the door. And so she, she became a love coach. Imagine that. She's a love coach now. And she's now, uh, uh, she does, what do you call it? She, she coaches people. She's a psychotherapist also in sexual traumas and stuff. So her family opened these doors where, you know, in some families that would not be an option. And so for me, in my family, writing books, doing all this crazy stuff that I'm doing, I kind of look at my grandchildren and when they get to the stage where they're like, well, what do we do with their lives? They'll go, well, there's my mother who worked in the school. There's my father who kind of drives the van and there's this granddad who's written books and does all that crazy stuff you know and so I've, I've kind of opened the door they may not step through the door but, but um the eldest granddaughter now is 12 the one who actually said granddad I don't speak to trees she's now 12 and she suddenly got manically into crystals I mean just overnight she's just collecting them and so I've sent her books on it and I've, I've given her necklaces and you know Christmas was a a cascade of crystals for her and she, she goes to sleep in them. She wants to learn about them. Now, if I'd have not been into this, I, I don't think anyone in the family would have ever opened that door for her. She may not do anything with it. And her mother says, Hey, look, um, Eva, you can become a, you can become like a healer, like granddad, you're working with crystals and this big beam on her face. Now she's only 12. We don't know what she's going to do, but it's just another possibility that she may touch upon. She may not touch upon. So I think what I'm doing is opening a legacy. And um, I think that's all we can do is what are we giving to our children and grandchildren the legacy? You know, are we, you know, and it's not about bank accounts. It's not about having a, bed, a house with 20 bedrooms or, or a Jaguar or a Mercedes in the, in the, um, in the, in the yard. It's, it's really about what level of joy, magic, love, you know, adventure have you had that you can pass on and go, hey, I've had an amazing life. So this friend of mine, Tom, who I mentioned, who passed over, who was an artist, he said, I have no regrets and I have no fear about dying. I've done everything I wanted to do. He was kind of semi-spiritual, I would say. He was an artist, but he was semi-spiritual. And uh, one of the last things he did, he said, look, I want to, I want to show you this picture I've got. And he, above his bed, there was this kind of picture he painted, which is about 18 inches by 12 inches. He turned the light on. And it was an image of, um, of kind of Mary, Mother Mary, in space she was kind of kind of floating in space you know and i looked at it you know how mother mary could look like a kind of vagina that kind of outline you know and i said well tom you know how you came into the world through a vagina well that's the way you're going to leave through that cosmic vagina and he laughed it was very nice to see him laugh um at the end of his life really and, and we, we hugged um and there's a very very beautiful and i went to his memorial and i'm sure he was there i could see him there you know it's i think the best thing we could do is live our life and at the end of our life going, i've done everything i can do for myself and for everyone else around me. You know, and I think that's living life to the full. It's not about, you know, how many women you slept with or how many cars you have. That's not of any interest to the soul, really. It's like next, right. you know, how much love have you developed? How much um, magic, how much connection to your soul have you developed? How much, how, how much have you awoken in this lifetime and helped other people? It's also, of course, about other people, not just about yourself. 
Nice. I don't have to answer that, Les. I hope that oh, well, well, well spoken words. Um, well, let's take a, a step back, maybe a, like a really big step back, because you work with star seeds and light workers, and oftentimes the role of their human incarnation has such a I don't know what to call it, a galactic or a, such a higher perspective um, intention. As as you wrote the, this book, um, Spiritual Entrepreneur, how do you see the role of an entrepreneur as it relates to those of us who are starseeds and lightworkers? Well, a lot of starseed light workers are drawn to healing. And there's a, a load of people who are drawn. In, I mean, healing these days has exploded into a gazillion different modalities. You know, Reiki split into dozens of modalities. And um, there's all kinds of fusions going on as well in the healing process. <clears throat> there are people who are drawn to working, you could say, with the land, with the ley lines, with communities. And, you know, there are communities which very much need entrepreneurial skills. You know, I, in England, there's one that's been going for 60-odd years, Fintorn up in Scotland, uh, which I've visited many times. And, you know, they've gone through ebbs and flows of being very entrepreneurial and not, and struggling, and then go, have to find their entrepreneurial connections again. So, because money is, of course, the fuel for any endeavor, you know, and if money's going down, you know, well, there's something not quite working. Um, there are some people who are working in uh, technology. You know, I think Steve Jobs was definitely a star seed you know, with um, the stuff he was coming up in, coming up with. Uh, for example, when he was studying, he started taking calligraphy classes. So the backtrack, what we were talking earlier, the soul was saying, this is going to be useful for you, Steve, at some point. Calligraphy. It had, it had no relation to the computer stuff he was doing. But, you know, when he started doing Apple, they fused together this beautiful calligraphy, fonts, you know, nobody else was doing it. So he was ahead of his time. Um, there are all kinds of other work, um, art, creative arts, you know, there's a lot of artists, uh, musicians, um, you know, and of course a lot in the early days, Starseeds could become musicians. It's one of the few places they were tolerated, like uh, uh, David Bowie and uh, Hendrix and all of that kind of types. They could be as crazy as they liked, and people loved it. The more creative, the more crazy, the better. And so uh, they had permission. Um, there are other kind of ones now, um, other kind of roles. There's even down to, I'm not quite sure it's totally whistle, uh, entrepreneurial whistleblowers, you know, I think are very starseed types. A lot of starseeds have been drawn to blowing up old systems and, uh, you know, um, people like uh, Edward Snowden, Assange, these types to me are starseeds ahead of their time. You know, let's, let's bring transparency and let people know the truth and make their minds up. And of course, I think it called a great debate in America about, you know, what to do with them. Punish them, praise them, you know, it depends on your point of view. But um, I think a lot of, a lot of the starseeds, after 2012, the whole whistleblowing phenomenon, phenomenon started to explode. Some become writers, some become dancers. You know, there's all kinds of ways you can uh, be a starseed entrepreneur. It does give you a lot more freedom, as I mentioned at the start. If you are a potter, if you are a healer, if you are a, a singer, whatever you want to do, 
working for yourself or even freelance is the best way to go. It gives you a lot more, a lot more um, spaciousness. You know, you can do uh, one of the other things I mentioned, portfolio uh, working, where you can do three or four things at the same time. You know, not the nine to five. You know, I was doing nine to five. I was doing the same job in the bank from nine o'clock to five o'clock. I was moving papers from there to there and doing a little bit of processing. I didn't do anything different. It's, it's a specialist worker. But as an entrepreneur, you're no longer a specialist worker. You become a little bit of more of a jack of all trades, not all trades, but, you know, um, for example, when I started being an entrepreneur, I had to do book, my own bookkeeping. You know, I had to learn bookkeeping. I had to learn um, more about graphic design. I had to learn video editing. There was a whole load of stuff I've, I've had to learn. But now, as I'm progressing, I've got people to do it for me. I don't I have a designer, I have a, an accountant, I have a cleaner, which is actually really important as well. She saves me a lot of time. So actually, when we, when we begin, we're a bit of more of a jack of all trades, and we have to be for a while. But then when we get more successful, we can start helping, getting people to help us. So, um, yeah, I think um, Starseeds, if you've got a galactic mission, like if you're doing light language, it's not very easy going into a corporation going, hey, I've got light language, would you like to buy me your... You know, not many corporations are going to buy it. But if you're a, a freelancing, going out saying, hey, I'm, a, I'm doing one-to-one sessions, I'm doing courses, anybody interested? You know, um, you've got a lot more freedom to do that. So a client, uh, client about a year ago, well, I gave her a session. She was into light language. And I said, you're in an office. Where are you? Are you at work? She said, yes, yes, I'm at work. And I said, well, what are you doing? I, I work in a county jail. I'm like, oh, wow, you're on a session in a county jail. Never, that's a first. So she's still working in a county jail. She's got a high-paying job helping people um, reintegrate in society. But it seems to be a high-paying job. And on the side, she's doing light language. She could not do that in any nine-to-five corporate type of way. But on the side, in her own way, she can do what she likes. And, you know, eventually I'm sure that that business will take over her regular work. And so, yeah, you can be weird as an entrepreneur. In fact, the weirder you are, the better you are. <laughs> um, I found that the more weirder I've allowed myself to be, the more successful I am. Uh, my, my advice from my family when I was looking for work was get a secure job, get a normal job. Don't be too weird. And that, that formula was the worst advice I followed for 20 years. When I ditched that advice, I, I got the advice, be weird. Uh, that for me in a lot of star seats is the only thing you need to do, embrace your weirdness. And follow it and let it see where it leads you. Do not try to be normal. It's really terrible advice. Well, normal by its very definition means more of the same. Yeah. And so normal, normal by its very definition won't fix anything because normal says more of the same. So yeah. we want Abby normal. We want Abby stacked. <laughs> we want to tip the colors over and, and splash and make a mess. Well, yeah. um, with uh, with the remaining time, I want to put some attention on you and, uh, and your platform. So if this is our first time our listeners have heard you, you've been on our show before, Tell yeah. us about your platform, your services, how the audience can engage you, how to get your books. Give us the whole picture. Well, uh, my website is thesoulmatrix.com. And on there, there's also a link to uh, something called Our Social Matrix, which is my own little 
Facebook. I've kind of invested money in building a free social media site. So there's about 10,000 on there. Uh, so if you fancy getting off of Facebook a bit more and joining with people who are they're a lovely bunch, you know, you're not, in, you're not going to get Big Brother censoring you because I'm Big Brother and I've never censored anyone since it's been going. On YouTube, you find me under Steve the Bell. I've got 139,000 at the moment following me. Uh, on Instagram, Steve the Bell 101. Um, just trying to think anywhere else. Uh, actually, on Telegram, I've, I've just opened my own channel, um, which you can find me on. Just trying to see what have I called it. Um, well, anyway, if you search for Steve Nobel on there, you'll find there's a channel called um, Steve Nobel. Yeah, oh, actually, it's the um, the Soul Matrix hyphen Steve Nobel. There we are, and you'll find me. At, there's about 2,300 follow me on there for daily daily inspiration type of thing. Uh, that's how you find me, really, then. Well, very nice. Um, I want to make sure I take this moment and say congratulations to you, Steve Noble, for winning the New Human Living Humanitarian Award for 2021. I'm oh, so yeah. I'm so delighted you've won this award. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited to receive it. I'm waiting for it coming in the post. I know we're going to do a little opening ceremony when it arrives. Um, I won't open it until we do our little ceremony. I'm so delighted that the award went to you because you're, you're really touching the lives of so many people in such a positive, impactful way. So I just wanted to be sure to tell you congratulations for that. Oh, thank you, Les. It's wonderful. Thanks for having me on the show again. Now, do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? <clears throat> closing thoughts. Well, I would say um, most people, I guess, are a little bit concerned about the world situation. I would say don't be too concerned. Yes, of course, we should be concerned about loved ones and anyone who are a bit vulnerable. But basically, we're at that spot in the world where it's darkest before the dawn. And uh, everything is going as it should be going. Yes, we're in a weird labyrinth. The world will unravel as it will unravel. Something new will happen. Uh, a new age is coming. And we have to trust that there's an infinite intelligence guiding us and that we will be okay. Just follow your inner guidance and you'll know how to tread this weird path of these few years. Still, I'm sure there's going to be weird stuff going to continue to happen for a few years, but uh, uh, over time it should get easier and easier. Well, very nice. Steve, I want to thank you for being our guest on the show tonight. It's it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, thanks, Les. It's wonderful. We've been talking with Steve Noble, and the topic tonight is The Spiritual Entrepreneur, which is his latest book. What a fun conversation. Um, just just the topic, spiritual entrepreneurs. Um, so delighted to have Steve back on the show. And uh, how timely for his book right now. Uh, I Like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm, I, lots and lots of people are getting new impulses, new ideas, new tangents. And the the mechanisms to bring that about are are in place and and there's new ones to be discovered as well but i always like to supersize people's vision of their life purpose because the reason i get excited about that is because our soul is this gigantic non-linear multi-dimensional persona 
and our ego is this little, you know, it's like sitting in a car, 3D little cocoon. In order for us to really honor our potential, we got to teach our egos how to show up for ourselves, so to speak. And supersizing is a way to kind of take a take the approach your soul might take as far as the potential of who you are and who you become in this lifetime. You know, we're, uh, this is probably our 12th or 13th year on the show, hundreds and hundreds of episodes, so much fun. What an exciting time to live on planet Earth, and here you are now. Your life purpose, when you engage it and honor and respect that, will bring you such joy and happiness, such a deep sense of fulfillment, a deep sense of satisfaction. I think my book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, would complement Steve's very well. Citizen King, The New Age of Power, teaches your ego about this, the dominion, the sovereignty of your soul. Well, uh, I don't want our egos to get in the way of our soul. And if we don't, if our ego, if our belief system, if the culture that raised us did not properly educate us as to our own dominion, our own sovereignty, as a human personification on planet Earth at this time. Um, What exciting times to be alive. I want to compliment you, our listener, for showing up for yourself. Here you are at the end of the episode, and you showed up for yourself. I want to thank you for that. It's always a pleasure. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open, check out our host, Les Jensen's book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. 